This is Tom from Third Rail Design Lab. And this is Blake Begin Again Simmons. Beginning to... Born again, God damn it. <laughs> Beginning... No, you said it right, I think. You began <laughs> to be born again. And it's time to. I said begin again. I said begin again. Oh, my God. No, let's begin again. You you do want to begin again. You're begin again, Blake Simmons. You're not born again, Blake Simmons. Uh. (laughs) Not enough votives. All right. And see. Release the Kraken. Listen to me very carefully. I'm a Terminator. How you doing there, Blake? I'm doing very well. How about yourself, Tom? Everything is peaches but the cream around here. Yeah, that's always the case. Why Why would I complain? Half the Earth's on fire. The other half's trying to kill it. Everyone's trying to kill each other. And, and then the third half, well, you know how yeah. this goes. Yeah. And how Let's not kid ourselves. Them. Let's not kid ourselves. It's all about birthday parties and shenanigans. Yes. And uh, and uh, and how are you doing? Just trying to make things. I notice you're in a kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> a, it's not yeah. your kitchen. Yeah, well, it's the kitchen we're living in. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that seems like it's one of those idioms, you know. It, it's, a very, it's a very uh, DIY kitchen. It's a, a DIY kitchen? Yeah. D-I-E. I, I, I see the uh, I see the common uh, artistic choice of the printer next to the freezer <laughs> in your background. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There you go. Well, well, listen. Enough about you. What? What do you? But but everything's about you. I want to know what you're drinking. Right. Let's let's do our sucking the monkey segment. Uh, sucking the monkey. I am. I am back in the saddle with black saddle bourbon. Black saddle bourbon. Who makes that? Mm-hmm. Uh, let me see. Black Saddle. It is. Yeah, mm. it says Black Saddle. That looks good. Yeah. 12 years. 12 years, yep. And you're cutting it with ice. The remnant, remnant, remnants of a cold vanilla latte? No, uh, just, just, just ice. <laughs> well, since we have, uh, let's see, we have not had a chance to chit chat on this podcast in a little while because of our schedules being crazy and everything and then of course uh listeners within california know that every five minutes something catches on fire and we lose our power or at least i do yep <laughs> and, indeed. and then and then and then as soon as that's over one or both of us leaves on a trip and or gets yeah tapeworm uh, or something but uh but here we are here we so, are finally uh we're gonna make the most of it and no no better way than to uh, dive right into some Star Wars news, don't you think? Yes, indeed. I'm going to propose to you because I think Star Wars news is fun when um, uh, when we're looking forward to a, a Star Wars project coming down the pipe. But it's even more fun when there's like 18 of them. Yes, and especially right? like uh, the, the, with the Disney Plus everything. Yeah. So you're ready for Disney Plus? I am. Hey, it's not just me, right? That there's no app to download yet. Correct. So in their infinite wisdom, they're going to basically just do launch day and then release the app and everyone's going to crash the server trying to get to it. That's about it. All right. Great. By some coincidence, there's a Death Star in my in my uh, 
in my sucking the monkey segment, I forgot to tell you, my half of this is uh, is a rum and coke, uh, and there's a Death Star ice in it. A, a rubbing and coke. A rubbing, a rubbing coke. <laughs> a rub, I'm rubbing myself with rum and coke, and there's a Death yeah. Star in it. And in fact, it's a Death Star that's almost entirely submerged, which leads right into our first item, which is we're in that final uh, marketing push on the rise of Skywalker, and I don't want to see any more. <laughs> Yeah, I don't blame him, but I'm like, Ugh. and I, I can't even remember to be honest with you if I even watched that last trailer. Because really? I've tried, I've tried hard to get it out of my mind. Huh. I must have. I saw the one where he's like, and you're okay. You know, they can't they can't leave anything to be a surprise, right? But uh, oh, I think I think there's you know they're they're trying to. Um... I think there's some bait and switching. Uh, there's going to be a lot of bait and switching. I think what they, I think they've given just enough to give everybody the wrong idea, which I appreciate. Mm. How do you feel about the? Because we've talked about this before, but how, how do you feel about the prospect of, um, this being a literal Palpatine reincarnation versus some of the other theories? I, well, I I think it's going What's to be. What's your theory? Well, my theory is that he actually survived somehow. <laughs> Just like Darth Maul survived, right? Sure. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, since, uh, I, I mean, all things are possible now that they brought Leah back from deep cold space and she oh, forced sure. herself back to the airlock. That's right. Uh, <laughs> all the original. Intended, yes. All yes. Forced herself. I, I know. Yeah. I'm with you tonight. The, um, so I think once you eliminate um, <laughs> physics, uh. <laughs> well but there's like there's rules there's there are rules in star wars with the exception of like one of the reasons people got all worked up about the uh last jedi was that they introduced some uh force powers that were either alluded to in books or had never been referenced before and the whole thing with luke in the third act everyone got worked up about it but by and large there are rules to this universe even if they are wild Right. Yeah. So, like yeah. Maul, yeah, Maul did get cut in half and dropped down into the into the well of that thing. But in the cartoons, which Chris hates that I bring up, Clone Wars and Rebels, they did a fair job of dancing around it a little bit, but sticking him on a robot body, robot bottom half, and and kept kept going with the character, and they did just enough to allow it to to be uh, acceptable within the context of these rules, right? Mm -hmm. But I'm, and then again we had the, and then we also had the, uh, we had the lightsaber fall down the well in Cloud City, right? So that was yes. retrievable. But I don't know. So that's the thing I'm wondering about this one. You've got the entire Death Star husk, right? Doesn't it seem like that's what it is? Yes. They, they haven't confirmed it though, right? That that's the plant or well, have I, I don't think they have, uh, not that I've seen, but um, it should be Endor, right? Wouldn't it yeah, be the, wouldn't it be the smoking crater of a of a of a of a climate <laughs> of a climate destroyed Endor? <laughs> so, so if it's a, if it's a meteor destroyed Endor, I'm already going to stand up in the aisle and dance, um, <laughs> and hopefully there'll be a lot of Ewok carcasses littering. Yes, uh, the, all of the scenes that come. I think uh, that would be a delightful turn of events for me that I would fully celebrate uh, with a very big adult beverage. But it would be just a, a dry black ash desert. 
if it was. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, that whole planet would have burned and then it would just be like our ice ages, right? Just, well, but, but let's see. Let's say it's something hybrid in that. Let's say it's a part of a star destroyer that rescued him as he forced himself out of the Death Star too, And, uh, and then that crash landed somewhere, went into hibernation mode because there's all this weird shit with uh, Imperial Star Destroyers coming out of the water or ice flows or something in the battle. Well, but so the but the know. but the chair is there, right? But the but that that could also be one of the visions, right? Yeah, that's true. That was because right? that's what we're leading into. Yeah, we're talking about the 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 context in which he could be actually reincarnated or still alive versus the visions and the you know the dark holocron stuff and all that. I mean, who knows, but yeah. we're seeing, but we're definitely seeing like remnants of big arcs of things. It looks like death star parts, right? Yeah. And both death stars were just atomized. So what death star is this? And that, that leads it to being dream sequence, time travel, something. Yeah. And you know, the whole thing, is, but it looks cool. Yeah. So I think, but uh, you know, the kind of presage is that somehow, Right, Ray is Palpatine related. We've got a Skywalker, and the last Skywalker is, uh, you know, <laughs> what the, the, he comes back and redeems himself. So remember this uh, whole redemption story, right? With the Skywalkers, yeah. more often yeah. than not. So you know. Oh, so you're saying you think it could be a Vader coming back too? Reason no, no, be, I, being why Anakin, why uh, Hayden Christensen was appearing and then immediately gagged. Yes, well, it immediately tossed off the, the, the end of the world with Jar Jar. Um, yeah. Well, no, but like he, right, he was, he and, uh, uh, what's his name, who, blanket on now, who played the Emperor, they had mm-hmm. a, they were at a film festival, they were they were scheduled to be at a film festival doing a talk, and then Disney clamped down on it and shut the whole thing down, and mm-hmm. then he showed up at Galaxy's Edge with his kids, and then someone posted photos of it, and then Disney got all pissed off about them breaking the uh, the rules of when you take photos of celebrities at Disneyland, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I'm. I hated the way that the prequels were structured and edited and filmed, and dialogued, and acted. But mm-hmm. I didn't fundamentally hate the actors or a lot of the concepts of the stories. I just think that they were just not done. Those were all the first drafts of something that could have been much better under different hands. So I'm not even a hater of Hayden Christensen, especially as he got older. I'd be happy if yeah. he came back as a surprise. You know in this somehow I, d- I just don't know I, I like the idea it could be as open as 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 anything like you say that they've just been throwing a bunch of misdirection out there and it's something totally different but I don't know I yeah, would have been I, even happier if I never heard the cackle at all yeah and then and then you they still never really um explained Snoke right right uh and you know I, I think we're probably going to get all the bombshells in this one well, okay, so apparently there's some references to him in the books. I haven't caught up that far. I am mm-hmm. reading or listening to them, but they are slow going because they're not the best. Mm-hmm. Right. They're not the best writing, and they're especially not my favorite in terms of the uh, narrators on the audiobooks, which is what mm-hmm. I'm using. So it takes me a while to chog through the... Uh, uh, I made up a word, chog. It takes me a while to slog through the Star Wars audiobooks, but... Apparently, there's one book that talks about Snoke a bit, and then another one that has some Huxy stuff. I know at mm-hmm. least one of the ones I've been reading, there, his daddy was in it. And then, uh, and apparently the one that just came out this, this earlier this week, was, 
resistance or something, whatever it's called, is a really good um, uh, roundup of a lot of things, tying up a lot of threads leading right into this movie. So apparently the timing of that book is is calculated. Okay. Uh, so we'll see. Okay. But I will say this. I do not like space horses. <laughs> we already had <laughs> we already had some galloping business in the last one. Did not like it then as much and uh, now we have some space horses again. <laughs> <laughs> but that's all right. Yeah. It is what it is. You already have your tickets? No. Oh. I do. do. Yes. And I have four of them. Yeah, we've just been uh, pretty slammed with everything. I know. It 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 does feel with everything being as chaotic as it is. Um it is weird to plant the flag on things months ahead of time and just kind of, you know, but well, it's no, a tradition. It's, just... it's a tradition though, to do it at the Alamo. So we got them on the 28th. So we got them after the holidays. Basically. Oh, see, that's a bummer. Cause that's a uh, Ren's birthday. So <laughs> we took her, we're taking her to the Amaluna uh, show. The Cirque What's that? Oh, the Cirque du Soleil. That'd be cool. Yeah. What time are y'all going? I don't know. No, no, oh, like, no, you can't. Yeah. Let's not even. Let's not kid ourselves. <laughs> let's not kid ourselves. That let's not kid ourselves. We'll we'll each see it three times and then talk about it. Yeah. Uh, one other thing uh, about this uh, trailer, though, or at least, yeah, it was a trailer, but it was a screenshot that I saw it and wondered about it, and then I was reading, and other people did too. There is a scene. It's one of those scenes where uh, Ren and or Kylo Ren and Ray are doing their symmetrical run at the screen and they're slashing some bullshit and some stuff's breaking and there's some sparks and she's got a lightsaber in one hand and a, and a, like a standard dagger in the other. And there's a lot of what's with the dagger, right? <laughs> On the interwebs. And in the, uh, in the rebels cartoon, did you watch all of rebels or none of rebels? No, none of rebels. Oh, you really need to, I've exhausted Chris with this. But you, my friend, with all the travel, you have time to get in these Clone Wars and Rebels. I'm telling you, you will enjoy it. Oh, that so, I have no doubt. I just, it, it's just a, uh, yes. yeah. The whole process. <laughs> yes, I get it. Okay, well, anyway, there is um, there's a storyline in Rebels involving some, it wasn't my favorite, but there's sort of like proto-Jedi on this planet, the origin of the Force coming off this planet or some shit. And there was a an artifact called the Dagger of Mortis, which had the ability to basically kill uh, anyone infused with the Force by touching the blade of it, right? Mm -hmm. And it's the only standard dagger that I can think of in the entirety of the Star Wars canon uh, to date that has had any significance. So it's possible that it's that. Yeah, it's also it possible it's just a chunk of space debris. <laughs> well, I mean, so they did bring that up in Episode 7, right? All the space junk. Yeah, littering everywhere, right? So it makes sense that if it was, I mean, it'd be interesting if they brought up the Clone Wars if there's a fragment from that. Um, you know, there's a whole host of potential scenarios where they wanted to go, and then the, um, especially all the different planets that they had scenes on. So yep. it, it gives them a wealth of uh, opportunities to dig in. For all the flaws in the uh, Star Wars books, what I do get out of them that I like the most is I've. I've always been very interested in the the connective tissue between the different eras in this universe. 
that you don't hear a lot of, and they've done a lot of backfill. The critics are saying they're mining. They're going back to the well when they don't need to, but for people like me, I want to hear about the space between Clone Wars and the rise of the Empire, right? Mm -hmm. And so I like that the books give time. They give some breathing room to that. And I'm currently reading the first of the Thrawn novels, and there are a lot of references to old Clone War tech or Clone War era equipment, and it, it's on the black market. It's it's got mm -hmm. value for its parts and whatever, and that's the kind of stuff I like. There's there's still quite a jump between the 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 world that was quickly or the universe that was quickly decimated in Clone Wars, and then the complete uh, infrastructure takeover of the Empire in 30 years. Like it just doesn't. <laughs> It, it's, it wants to be 100 years, right? Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. I like all that stuff. So anytime you see references to things, like we haven't seen it in the films, but I would just love it if I saw like a Clone Wars era droid or chunk of a ship or something in, the, in, these, in these stories because it's only 60-something years after the Clone Wars, right? Mm -hmm. It would be there. Across all the planets, across the galaxy, you should have remnants even... And then it, maybe sometimes they've shown some repurposed stuff, um, hybridized stuff, more in the cartoons than in the movies. But, you know, anything like that that shows that there is connectivity between the, the three eras of the story that isn't just a Skywalker did it, I'm yeah. into. And that's my biggest hope for some of these other projects that we'll talk about a little bit. I mean, there's so much there to play with. We don't need yeah. this saga anymore at all, as far as yeah. I'm concerned. Yeah. I have no tears, no nostalgic tears or the end of a Skywalker era with all these toys. But what Literally. about, what about C-3PO? Okay, shit. Yo, oh, you're talking about all the, like, is he going to die in this? Yeah. Well, I, I'm so fascinated by, you know, red C-3PO eyes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm just disappointed. We lost the red, the red uh, C-3PO arm, but <laughs> yeah. That was, yeah. That, that is interesting. Right. Looking at my friends. I would One love, last if time. I, I would love if he was some sort of uh um, inexplicable agent. Uh, no, or, or like hand delivered virus, you know, yep. walk, walks in and plugs in and jacks everything up. Cause <laughs> you know, it, and it's the firewall and, and cut his central, his CPU out to save the, the rebellion. It, right. It would be, it would be, um, a nice poetic thing if they took his core and shoved it in the millennium Falcon. It's immediately arguing with the, the one from Han Solo, but anyway, uh, it's a, it's a little, it's a little too close to the independence day for my comfort. Uh, I'll say that's true. Yeah, um, I can't. I can't support that with any rigor. But this is the world. This is the world where. Um, this is the world where, you know, they have no autopilots on anything. Yeah, I know. Well, it's no. sort of like it's like Watchmen but, but, with but, no cell phones, but we have anti-grav. You know. But it, but in Episode Four, they did have an autopilot. Remember when they did the three D chess and Han Solo comes back and makes fun of Luke and Ben. Oh yeah. And Chewbacca is playing R two D two and C three feels us, you know, bathing himself in oil or something. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> so there had to be something there. It's they just don't the, have right? autopilot when it counts. You can't right. autopilot. It, you can't autopilot a star destroyer or a yeah. or a capital ship of any kind. Yeah. Although you can you can bridge it with only like three people. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. All right. What else? So uh, the next item I have here is the Benioff and Weiss project is dead. 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 Yes. Um, there's, there's a lot yeah. of uh, uh, gossip rumors going around, obviously, about why. Yes. Yeah. What are your thoughts on those? Uh, I tend to believe it. Well, yeah. I tend to believe one thread of it anyway. 
that because the Game of Thrones finale, final season sucks so bad they cut him? I think partly that, yeah. Well, so what I think is, um, I think that the current era of Lucas film at Disney is is quite risk averse, and mm-hmm. I think that when they well, after Han Solo, that, right? I think this, well. <laughs> No, but, you know, if you look at how they get some flack for hiring these interesting directors and then firing them. But I feel like it's less it's less about everything has to be packaged the same way, because why would they even bother with the interesting directors in the first place? Yeah, I think it's about if either it's at the executives at the overall Disney executives level or if it's at the Kennedy level. But I feel like when they get um, warning signs that things are going to go off the rails or go in a direction that um will be challenging for them that's when they're they have no hesitation in pulling the plug mm-hmm. and that's why i think you saw some of the things like trank and um lord miller and and uh and then uh what's his name trevorrow you know some of those were quite obvious there were some major flameouts happening on current projects and so then they lost their project mm-hmm. with with lucasville but in a case like this um, I, you know, I definitely think that there's some truth to the idea that uh, that there was a flame out on that last season, but yeah. also, I think it's more than that. I don't. So uh, Joanna Robinson, who writes for Vanity Fair and sort of like their expert on Star Wars stuff, does a lot of podcasting. She mm-hmm. feels very strongly through sources that they that that's that that's the story that they um, they didn't like the last season and in particular the finale and said nope this isn't going to work out. And then just sat on it and gave them time to figure out a story of why they weren't going to be doing this. Hence the Netflix deal. Mm-hmm. But I think it's less about the way in which the finale finished with fans. Because there were plenty of people who, like me who were fine with it. Right? Yeah. I mean, it was a, a, it was a, an impossible undertaking to move forward ahead of the books and satisfy everybody. I mean, it's mm-hmm. even more divisive than Star Wars. Right. Mm-hmm. If anything, that puts them in a position to be um, experienced in this kind of a um, hyper uh, sensitive fan world. I think it's more about how they handled the last season from a production side that they yep. so publicly admitted that they had more time from HBO to do whatever they wanted to do. And they said no. And the fact that they seemed to broadcast that they were phoning they were kind of compressing things and just taking shortcuts that the that that's the story in the press that that's the public consciousness about the problems with the end of game of thrones it wasn't so much the specific story beats i think they were more mm-hmm. concerned about the idea that these guys were allowing the narrative to be about the production of game of thrones and not about game of thrones and if yeah. there's one thing lucasfilm doesn't like is people obsessing about the making of the of the sausage right they want oh, people to argue yeah. about the sausage not the making of the sausage yeah so i think that's what did it i don't think it's the end of game of thrones that did it okay but all the same the other thing about it is that supposedly they were going to be looking at the origins of the jedi yep um and i think that there was some interesting possibilities there i didn't read all the extended universe old republic stuff and I'm sort of bored when I do see some of those characters come up in my little, um, you know, little video game I have on my phone, uh, where it has all these different characters that come in from the different eras. And, you know, it's like multiple iterations of the same sort of 
uh, you know, uh, you know, Sithy Sithy warriors and 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 Jedi's over and over and over again. They just look like like iterations of the same thing. And mm-hmm. it's sort of like why it irritates me if it, you go back 400 years and the ships look the same, I'd be irritated. Same problem Game of Thrones has with the, their side projects, right? It's going to look the mm-hmm. same, and it's supposed to be centuries or thousands of years difference. There's This shouldn't be at all recognizable, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm not super um, concerned about that side of it. I think there would have been an interesting uh, opportunity to satisfy a chicken and the egg thing about the, about the, the Force, Especially yeah. undoing all of that Lucas midichlorian stuff. It would be interesting to see if it, it didn't start with equilibrium. You know? Maybe it starts mm-hmm. with the dark side and then the light side is something that... Maybe the light side is the virus, right? You know? like yeah. I think there could have been some interesting storytelling there. but Yeah, fair enough. And one day there will be. Yeah. Uh, what else? So, since we last talked, they confirmed that um, Ewan McGregor is definitely coming back as Obi-Wan and it's going to be a Netflix series supposedly not an ongoing sort of like a finite series and mm-hmm. yeah they are until they aren't um and he did uh confirm that originally it was planned to be a movie and then it got extended into a series and everything and it has some really great uh talent signed up for it from the directing side deborah chow and and then hussein uh Mini is uh, going to be writing and it's got great great bones to it what do you want out of an obi-wan series if anything um well, I don't know. It depends on what time period they pick it up in, right? If it's after... It's supposed to be after uh, Order 66. Right. So his first early days of his exile, right? Yeah. And uh, I think it, the development of how we got to where he is on Tatooine at the beginning of Episode 4, um, I'd like to see an intersection with Jabba. I'd like to see um, the Sand People develop further. I'd like to see the Jawa develop further. Um Maybe even some, uh, yeah, but but I think really going deep into Tatooine and kind of that whole ecosystem uh, with the occasional Yoda throw in, of course, uh, maybe even an Anakin throw in, right? The books uh, have done pretty... a good job of the the books have definitely done a good job of expanding on the underworld that exists with uh, complicitly under the Empire. But also that flourished in in the transition period, like the rise of the underworld after the Clone Wars, and then again the rise of the underworld's power after uh, the Empire starts to collapse. You know, those yeah. are really interesting threads. We're going to see that in the Mandalorian, um, and uh, certainly I'd like to see more of that in Obi Wan. And so in the books, they talk a lot about the huts across different planets, right? Yep. And yep. Uh, <clears throat> you know, Tatooine being uh, just just one. Um, planet that of course is very familiar because of the skywalker story but it's not particularly of of they've made more importance out of nostalgia than they really needed to right there's a lot of going back to the tattooing well i almost wonder if wouldn't it be nice if we don't get there right away mm-hmm, <laughs> like who's mm-hmm. to say because we don't know the age at which he brings um um skywalker to uh edgerton um uncle owen right we don't uncle know the owen. age at which he does it right Yep. So, and I think I think they probably have to, and that's another relationship that could go is Uncle Owen, and uh, you know if there's like mm-hmm. a, if there's like some drama at the ranch, I think totally kind of cool. drama yeah. at the ranch, it ends in barbecue. We know that. <laughs> <laughs> 
it's one of my favorite scenes going back to my childhood is the stormtroopers just chilling with the with the charred skeleton behind the background you know like well yeah hey i believe in my job there's nothing wrong this is fine this is good um well but so like i would love some lone wolf and cub situation right i would love Mm -hmm. to have a period of uh, like a number of stories of obi-wan with the baby in a satchel hauling ass and being pursued by bounty hunters yeah or Sith assassins, or something like that. Or Maladorians, Maladorians, or whatever. <laughs> Mandalorians. Well, uh, I like Mal- I like Maladorians better. Maladorians, yes. <laughs> El Morrissey and the Maladorians. Um, well, uh, in Rebels, there's a great, it's a great concept, um, and I've talked to you about, before about this, but um, and it's in canon, but that Vader used what are called Inquisitors. So mm-hmm. these are sort of Jedi hunters, but also. Um, Force sensitive, force sensitive enforcers. They had this yeah. great look to them. They are badass. Some of the best design work in all of Rebels were these characters. And um, so, beyond just the the uh, the low hanging fruit of bounty hunters chasing, which suggests that there's even a knowledge that he exists, right? Mm-hmm. There's got to be a way in which you can tell stories about him <clears throat> on the run without the the big bad knowing who he is and that what he has. Because yeah. if they did, Tatooine would have been Death Star, <laughs> right? Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's no... Yeah. Everything about the... everything about episode four was contingent upon the idea that no one knew, or at least or at least Vader had didn't any, had, any, had any idea where right. it was, right? Which is not to so, say that, that Palpatine Leia. didn't know. And Leia, right? right. But, um, right. but I also think, is it a potential, could they bring in Jimmy Smith, you know? Um, I think there's a whole lot of uh, interesting cameos you could bring up. Alderaan. Why yeah. not Alderaan? Yeah. I haven't seen that, right? Do we yeah. actually ever see Alderaan yet on film? Just when it blows up. Yeah, right. Well, I guess you're right. We've seen bits of it. We've seen lots yeah. of particles. <laughs> it, it's all... <laughs> it's everywhere. Yeah, I think we saw it in Clone Wars or something, but anyway, in the uh, cartoon. Okay, so I'm all for that. I'm just so into the Disney Plus stuff, I can't even tell you. I am so just ready. Yeah, well, I want we'll high-quality we'll serialized entertainment. What are you being we'll a Debbie Downer for? I'm just saying we're going to have to wait and see. That's all. We don't. We, we're the only waiting is waiting for the download of the fucking app. And no. then we'll see. I am happy about they're not doing all-in-one... Um, deep dives that they're going to roll it out, you know, one a yeah. week and that kind of thing. I, I like that. Yeah. I, I felt the pressure with Netflix and I was off the back way too often towards the end there. I felt the pressure that, you know, Daredevil would come out and everybody was talking about it the same day. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you just sat at home and watched the ball. Right. Mm-hmm. I felt that, I felt that pressure to binge and I didn't like it. I like to spread it out. Well, so I plan on spreading this out. Spread it out. Spread it out. Shamir it out. Speaking of spreading it all out, uh, Bob Iger did a number of interviews in support of his book where he's talking about his deal with Lucas and his uh, the reality of some of that and also some of his regrets and everything else. Have you followed mm-hmm. any of that? Mm-hmm. A little bit. He admits that George Lucas was disappointed to be cut out. That's not a surprise. That's not a surprise at all. He admits that he never intended to film the scripts, which mm-hmm. I think realistically is not a surprise, but probably was a surprise to Lucas. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. I think it was interesting. He also um, he also made a couple of comments about s- saying that he 
believed that they tapped the well too deep too fast and they needed to slow down on the Star Wars stuff. And I'm not sure. I I don't really believe that. Well, but I think everybody's trying to catch up with uh, Marvel. Right. 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 I think. But they own Marvel. So why bother? No, no, because everybody. Well, why? What is it? 23 films that. uh, But the catch up part. No, but. Because the branding, the relevance, the impact, the societal excitement about stuff um, being seen as a mover and shaker as opposed to George Lucas's hangover. Yeah. Um, I think that, that they had this, everybody doesn't like to be out-competed, right? And I think Marvel has set the, st- I mean, it's not the gold. It's not, uh, I don't even, it's the unobtainium standard yeah. for, <laughs> for, for how to run and orchestrate a very successful movie enterprise. And I was just well, reminded actually, actually, last week that a media enterprise, right? I was just reminded last week that uh, James Cameron and Avatar actually had the balls to say that they were mining unobtainium. What a dickhead! Yes. Yep. Well, that, <laughs> that's fourth I wall, love, man. I don't like that. I love, I love it, but it was, um, you know, I think I think they're trying to reestablish themselves into primacy because yeah, even if but, even you, no. Because because they they just like what um, DC tried to do, right? Yeah, yeah. But do you think that the? But I'm saying I'm poking at the premise that they did too much Star Wars, and I know I'm somewhat biased because I like Star Wars stuff. But do you think that they overdid it and went too fast and had low quality? Do you I'm think that's true? Point, I, I I think Han Solo is uh, a proof positive of that. <sighs> I forgot how you feel about Han Solo. I don't think that the, I don't think that that's deserved. Honestly, I don't. I think okay. that Han Solo was a very enjoyable Star Wars film. To you, Han Solo was better than the prequels. Yes, but the, you're gonna you're gonna hold those up. <laughs> no, but I mean, I'm just saying. <laughs> I know that you have these waves, these eras of fans, and the, and also everything old is new again. So people are all have short memories about the quality level that we came from. But that's what I'm saying. If but, you're telling me that Han Solo was a dog's lunch let alone a pre-dog's lunch. I don't mm-hmm. understand where you're coming from when the majority, if you think about in terms of hours, in terms of the sheer number of hours and the amount of money spent, right? the majority of Star Wars stuff was not great quality. Uh, well, I don't know about that. I have four, five, six, seven, eight, uh, Rogue One. I would hold those up as examples of some pretty strong content. Parts of four, five, and six are strong. And there's a I lot that's very me. nostalgic. Yeah. And four and four especially is held up because it's like the Iron Man thing. It started it. Yeah. But the prequels are not I mean, for all of the glitz, no, they're one, not well constructed in any way. No, no, one, two, Terrible. three. One, two, three were God's right. mistake. Right. Yeah. And I lo- and I love and I actually really love seven eight. Um I love Rogue One. I just don't think that Han Solo was lower than it's like trying know. to def- it's like trying to defend Trump in impeachment. I'm sorry, man. The proof is in the pudding. That was the script was awful. <laughs> you think the script was awful? Oh, it was beyond awful. It was pure. What's your oil. name, Han? What's your last name? <laughs> uh, yeah. So you're you're traveling solo. Solo. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and then the gold dice at the end, and then the what are we? Story. Some sort of Suicide Squad? <laughs> This is a dark universe. <laughs> yeah, we're going to Uranus. Oh um, man! Well, and then, and then yeah. the energy beast that lives in the—I mean, what the fuck? Um, Light speeders were nice. So, 
the light spheres were nice. Some of the space stuff is nice. I think um, Enfys, uh, Enfys Nest had a cool Lando, look. Lando, the interaction of Lando was the best yep. thing in the movie, right? Yep. Enfys um, Nest was rad. Yeah. Okay. Um, All right. Well, but, uh, but, I just don't I think, think that. I, think... I mean, that's one film even so, but, that you but, can but, point out and say that right. maybe there were some structural problems in the in the creation of the film and right. the way that they changed gears halfway through. But, so even even if you believe it or not, I think because of the success of the MCU and because of the relative lack of impact lately for Star Wars, right? That just to throw it out there, I think people will hold it to that standard and assume that they've tried to do too much too fast, just like DC did. Yeah, okay, but let's go to the Marvel thing. I don't think Han Solo is... I think that there are Marvel films that were worse than Han Solo. And Marvel just kept agree. on chugging and people just accepted it. Thor Dark World. I mean, all, almost, almost all of them I still enjoy just fine. But, you know, well, then, Dark World was it, criticized. Actually, the first Thor was pretty criticized. But I love I mean, it. I mean, I thought yeah. Kenneth Brown did yeah. a great job with it. But Iron um, Man 2 was, was oh, criticized Oh, Iron Man heavily. 2 and Iron Man 3. Let's, and, let's not yeah. forget. No. Yes. But what I'm saying is people didn't go, whoa, Marvel, you're go slow down. They said, okay, 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 what's next, right? And that's yeah. what I'm saying. I think that the... I think that uh, Iger is too quick to jump on that. Like, oh, okay, yeah, maybe we need to slow. But I feel like I it's, we, yeah. The reason why I think he does that is because of the the peer-to-peer inadequacy with the MCU. Yeah. Deserve it or not, I think that, that that's a lot of people are being influenced by that. And certainly DC is. Well, right? rest assured, I want you to know that there are rumors that there's a Han Solo-based show for disney plus in development so rest <laughs> easy my friend not with him but like just a lot of the uh the crimson dawn and a lot of the underworld yeah. stuff we were talking i about. would so I, as long as it doesn't have the beginning of the rebellion with the mad max headgear the, yeah. um, <laughs> that's all i'm saying <laughs> we all need another hero <laughs> please don't do this to me <laughs> not enough bourbon in the world for that uh well how do you feel about then thinking about this whole uh measurement contest with marvel what do you think about how uh kevin feige has been brought into the uh, star wars upper echelon very quickly don't you think that's interesting i do i mean given that you would imagine that Iger would be well, Iger in particular would be kind of weirded out by that and kennedy mm-hmm. i think like it's really interesting it's interesting yeah. to imagine what those dynamics are Agreed. And it'll be interesting to see how they actually manifest and play out. Right? Yeah. Well, Feige being a producer but not a writer or a director, I don't know, you know, I don't know what it means when Feige is brought into a thing. He, he was a great shepherd of Marvel continuity in those movies and figuring out the how to find the different voices and different styles of movies and make them all feel like one thing. But I don't know that it's like you're going to get the Barton Fink feeling when you have Feige uh, producing a Star Wars film. I don't know what that means exactly yet. Well, I, mean, not, I can't really think of anything yeah. that Feige has produced, like has shepherded that wasn't a Marvel film to show what that means. Do you know what I mean? But I, but I think what he's able to do is really pick a strong cadre of directors and content managers. Right. And he may not be the producer that makes the ultimate difference but i think he assembles a team that does right he's good at that he's very good at that right and 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 if anything that's something you take a look at the breadth and depth of the the mcu director cadre holy crap man 
Well, and and the kinds of risks that they took that they held that they um, that they uh, stay with, and I think yeah. that that is what's interesting. I don't know whether Kennedy is the one that's been firing people when things get hairy, or whether it's higher than her and it's you know passed through her. But it's interesting to think. Well, here's a guy whose reputation is based on taking risks on interesting directors and then giving them room, right? Mm-hmm. And by and, and at this, you know, it, well, and and actually going to bat for them when the whims of the social morons, social media morons, like this goes back to James Gunn, right? Right. And they 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 fire him because of you know the hashtag thing, right? right? And then um and then they they realize that well. Maybe we shouldn't hold everybody accountable with something they said 20 years ago. And right. uh, bring, and um, I admire that. I, I don't agree with what James Gunn said at the time. I think it was of course interesting, uh, but it's um, right. redemption is a powerful thing. Well, yeah, because you know who because who, we don't make mistakes, right? No, I've never made a mistake in my life except right. for all of them. All of them. Well, <laughs> and and that's the thing, though. It, uh, it, in, in my, what interests me is, is Kennedy the one who's been assembling these dream yeah. teams and then colla- and then and then basically culling them, or has she been a conduit? Because that will have a lot to do, that will impact how she works with him and what mm-hmm. she must be thinking about him coming mm-hmm. on board for something when that's his reputation. Yeah. If she was the one that was turning, you know, basically dump, dumping these, uh, these creators when things got um, controversial, then that would be a real slap in the face to her. Right. Well, and and but that will come up over time, yeah. right? That'll be, yeah. that'll be proven out. So Ryan Johnson's thing is in flux too. He's really yeah. cagey about that, and it's really I don't weird, know. right? It's really weird, and I can't think it's something that people that are living it actually enjoy. Right. I just don't. I, I don't think that when Ryan Johnson says, "Well, I don't know. We'll see what happens. That's the plan," but I don't think that that means he's not doing anything. I just think it means that that the Disney overlords are being cagey about the, the sequences, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. And staging the calendar the way Marvel does. They stage the calendar up and say, well, here's where you are. Right. So, yeah. I, you know, I, I really hope that that doesn't fall apart though. Right. But they, the MCU doesn't do the thing where they, they, they float a name and then they bait and switch it. They leave like Marvel film number X. Yeah. And, right. <laughs> and then and then when they confirm it and launch it, it's a done deal. Right. Right. right, the this whole nonsense with Star Wars and even DC, where they right. float something out there and and then you know right. Twitter goes nuts and then they pull it back and then they change and they go back and then oh well maybe right. we we're going to do that. It's just, all packaging and has yeah. nothing to do with what it was. You're absolutely right about that. That and is something that's like, irritated me with both of yeah. those franchises for sure. Yeah, it just irritates the shit out of me. Like, good God, just get your shit together, people. But that's what I've liked about <laughs> um, Ryan Johnson's stuff so far was that he would not talk about what he was working on. And there are all kinds of rumors about it. He's still not talking about it. He's not talking about what he, I I don't think he said anything about what he was, what he's been cooking up on his supposed trilogy. Then his PR, his PR team sucks balls. Well, what have you heard? (laughs) What have you read? uh, Well, something when I was over in uh, Paris and there was a whole lot of stuff about he was being coy and cheapish. But then his agent, his PR team, like said, yeah, he's going to do it. And then, um, yeah. About what? So he, but what, though? Uh, the Star Wars, that his deal is back on. Well, no, I know that. But I'm saying he has not provided any insight into the subject matter of his story no. arc. 
No, because he's smart. That he's smart enough to know that he's not going to say anything in public until he's got the backing and firm commitment from the hierarchy. And that's what I like about it. It's there's right. this open ended, open ended mystery to what he might be doing. That means we could get some really interesting Star Wars stories. Yeah, because I would actually like. Uh, well, first of all, I want them to get off the Skywalker, just like you. Yes. Right. Just okay. We've had nine movies of this, and you know, three spinoffs, and just stop it, um, and come up with some other content. Like Rogue One, I thought was an indicator of how far you can stretch it and still make it powerful and popular. What right? I liked, uh, one of the things I liked about Rogue, one of the many things I liked about Rogue One, was I always fascinated by when the narrative takes a look at things we've taken for granted. And shows it from other people's perspectives, yeah, sort of like yeah. the show what superheroes are in Marvel. You know, like show what superheroes are like to civilians, right? Mm-hmm. I love the. I've always loved the idea of the Jedi are these really uh, out in the clouds, uh, you know, sort of paladins or whatever it is they are, um, clerics, war clerics, and the majority of re- of regular people argue well, whether they're even a thing. Like, I yeah. love that. And I love the idea that you could have a story without Jedis bouncing around that still acknowledges their existence and them as being a very strong religious and cultural um, uh, force, so to speak, without having it to be about them. I love mm-hmm. that. And I want yeah. more of that. The Agreed. books have done a good job about that. Talking about not only, you know, doubting whether the Jedi, it, depending on what time timeline the books are in, you know, doubting whether the Jedi were really anything special to um since i'm reading this empire set stuff it's really interesting to read about how different people within the empire don't believe uh well both both now in the thrawn stuff and also reading the aftermath stuff which is pre force awakens it's Mm -hmm. interesting to read aspects of like not really believing that palpatine was a sith lord or any of that stuff that it's all propaganda and that he's just a guy (laughs) right like i love that stuff and also in the thrawn stuff it's all about the the infrastructure of the empire and being part of this very large uh government organization that happens to be military i don't know it's just i like those perspective shifts i want to see a perspective shift i want to see more of those kinds of shifts in that universe yeah yeah. i think that would be a welcome thing um, Cassian, you know that one's another one for Disney Plus, right? Mm-hmm. Rogue One's prequel. That's yep. you know how I feel. I think that's going to be probably the thing I'm most excited to watch. Oh my Man- god! The Mandalorian. Oh. Kind of, yeah. Oh my god! If we get a K2SO, mm-hmm. do you know how happy I'm going to be to have weekly K2SO in my life? Did uh, and I can't believe the actor for that. Right. Right. If he um, um he so would he's... come back. It's Firefly. No, that right. is um, yeah, yeah. It's uh, Tudic, Alan yeah, Tudic, Alan Alan Tudic, Titan. Yeah, right. <laughs> Just Titan. He's amazing. Uh, Tudak or something. But he, I loved him in Firefly. Uh, he, and his 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 vocal intonation and patterning for K two S O was just probably the best robot ever. Wasn't he Hey Hey in Moana as well? What? I think he's Hey Hey in Moana. The chicken. <laughs> <laughs> How can you get a credit for playing that thing? Two people got credit for BB-8. Yeah, I give me a break. No. <laughs> it's true. Uh, they just know. took their one's dialogue the and then one's the head, it. one's the body. No, one's the head, one's the body. <laughs> like what? What? You're round right. and bulbous and you bounce. 
Well, the good thing about uh, Cassian is that Tony Gilroy is going to write and direct it. And since he was, you know, obviously yeah. the majority of what worked in the end in the final cut of Rogue One, that, that excites me. Yeah. Um, and then I think lastly, I just want to mention uh, two interesting things about um, The Mandalorian. This is the one that I've kept the most out of it in terms of looking at things that they released. Like I'm trying not to read more than this and I haven't watched it. I didn't watch the last trailer, but um, I'm very interested in Dave Filoni being involved because he was the, um, he, you know, he's the one who shepherded uh, Clone Wars and Rebels through. He is sort of Lucas's um, successor. Mm-hmm. And he's very he has he has his own very specific view on how to tell stories that I think is the reason why both of those cartoons do so are as good as they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and he mentioned that what uh, um, uh, you know it, working with uh, the Mandalorians his first time doing live action stuff, but he said that it was it is actually very familiar to him because they used a lot of uh, virtual reality and game engine stuff to do previs. So they would actually do a lot of the framework and setup for the different um, sets in a way that he was much more familiar with from the cartoons mm-hmm. than uh, Favreau might have been as a director. So I think that's really fascinating that yeah. the, where where they bleed together like that, and your your background comes becomes a benefit in that way. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I don't know. They showed Ming Na Wen has a character in this, and that'll be nice. There's a few other things, but. I really don't care. I don't want to see any more. I just want to watch it. You, you're done. Let's do this. Just do it. I want to do it. Speaking of doing it, do you want to talk about our main event? Yes. So you and I, uh, we bucked the odds, and we went to an extremely late showing of Terminator Dark Fate. Yes. It, and, was, a dark, uh, it was a dark night for a dark fate. It was darker for you than it was for me, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so we went to the Alamo, our favorite, mm-hmm. and uh, had a bevy of delicious uh, drinks and delicious uh, food morsels. At the appropriate pre and post, uh, yes. pre, during, and post adult lubrication. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, so there's no way of getting around the fact that this movie had a lot going against it going in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like it was slapped backwards and forwards based on the legacy of the franchise far more than the quality of the film itself. Yes, I agree. I think people did not show up because of negative expectation, which I think is a very interesting problem. Because if Hollywood's going to continue to do sequels on franchises rather than doing all original content, and they're going to throw money after franchises that are not well-received, they have to find a way to convince people that they've changed things and that it's worth seeing. And I don't know about you, but I saw the previews for Dark Fate and thought, ooh, you know, Obsidian, an Obsidian uh, Terminator. I'm in. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I, yeah. it looked good in the trailers. And so I'm really, and also the idea that Linda Hamilton comes back and it's all about her. I, I was astonished that people didn't show up for it. But, but so here's, I think it's because it was 10 years too late. Mm. Right? I think it was 10 years too late. I think they, they had their moment to capitalize on that. Just like Alien and Aliens did, right? Yeah. And then, and then the more the, the more the it drags on, like, um, and Genesis. Remember, everybody thought it was not that good of a movie, but it's still doing way better than this. But I thought uh, Dark Fate was way better than Genesis. Um, I, mean, I, I think even I think even uh, Salvation did better than this. 
Yeah. Well, Although that's not a fair that's not a fair comparison yeah. because this is doing worse because those existed. Yes. And initial box office falls off as people talk about it and think about it and say, wait a minute, this didn't make any sense. I don't so, know. so I'm 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 saying like, what if right, Dark Fate came before Salvation? Right. Then it would right. have done a lot think, better. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But that's the thing I'm saying. I, I think that it's being dragged down by the the fatigue from those other franchises, but I don't know that but I don't know that, that the fatigue is the subject matter. Yeah. I don't think people are saying I don't think I don't think fans of this franchise are saying, Well, I don't want any more Terminator. But but I think but I think what they are getting tired of is the Connor storyline, the Arnie storyline. And sure. I think if they did a clean break and just went totally outside of that Right. Well, yeah, but that's the problem with Terminator. It always has been a problem with Terminator. Yeah. It isn't. It, it, it isn't the world building of some of these other franchises. There's nothing to Terminator that's not this story. But yeah, but so just like they so, tried to do in this one, right? It wasn't about Connor. It was about um, somebody else being the next savior in a different timeline. But right? that recursiveness. Like, but that recursiveness, I think, is what is exhausting to people. Yeah. If anything, in the subject matter, it's that there's a sense of uh, that there's no stakes because it's always going to be someone's in the back. They're going to send someone back to get the thing before they change the future. And if they change it, then someone else. And the, and the the simple fact that even in the trailers, they show that no matter what happened, we're just going to go back and do this again anyway, I think makes it feel so specific that this entire franchise has to be about going back in time and assassinating people before they do things. And, it's so narrowly drawn that yeah. there's no room to breathe because salvation tried to do the, well, let's look at the future for a while. And yeah. then, you know, it, it had a, a good look to it and had such terrible um, structure that you couldn't even get around it. You, I mean, I remember yeah. laughing in that movie when I shouldn't be laughing and it wasn't Helena Bonham Carter that was making me laugh. It was just everything. Yeah. Right. So, I don't know the way out. I don't know how you, I don't know how other than making interesting choices in the spin of the story. Do you make a Terminator story more interesting again? I think you just stop. You stop. That's right. Yeah. There's no answer. I, I liked that this, I like that this is very clearly a thread. Mm -hmm. This is a time thread. And I thought it was neat. I think that they really, I mean, spoilers and everything, but, you know, they don't even talk about, they don't explain how Legion developed different than the way Skynet developed and why it developed and had the same, um, came to the same conclusions. That's the biggest hole to me. Mm -hmm. Like, There's no reason for Legion to exist sending humanoid endoskeleton robots back through time the way Skynet <laughs> did. There's just no framework for that other than if they, and I was waiting, when we were watching it, I was waiting for them to pull it together that legion learns about skynet through the existence of terminators that are bouncing around through time even after skynet was obliterated and didn't exist anymore those terminators are bouncing around out of continuity yeah yeah, yeah. so then legion patterns itself after skynet like yeah. well i could do that but better kind of thing that would yeah. have made sense to me they didn't even go there so it's just like it's just all they do is change the names and did the same thing yeah but what i did like is it sort of reminded me of the multiverse kind of thing, how you can have different versions of Batman. I loved that we had this this um, sort of Latino Terminator story. 
I absolutely loved it. All of the baiting that's happening with the conservative people who were outraged by this movie that it's all females and it's also got all these, you know, <clears throat> you know, Mexican Americans and Mexicans and all oh, there's poor immigration stuff and <clears throat> all that stuff. I loved it. I love that the Terminator mm-hmm. that came back was um, of Latin descent. I love that the characters that he was dropping into to assassinate were of Latin descent. I loved yep. everything about this version of the story, and it made me imagine, kind of like they did with Matrix. It made me yep. imagine that you could have these multiverse spinoffs where the same thing is happening in Japan, or it's happening in Iceland, or whatever, and it's going to adapt to those to that culture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that, but that would that would require that there was some bigger picture reason for this happening. And some sort of spiritual reason for it happening, and that's definitely not part of Terminator, other than yeah. Cameron's insistence that this is all uh, biblical stuff, right? Yeah. But uh, but on the face of it, though, we liked what we saw. I thought I thought it was consistent, strong in that regard. I thought it was um, very well acted. I thought it was great to see Linda up there again. I love um, that she was as. Not haggard, but I love that she was straight up 60s. Just, she was an older woman. I was disappointed to hear that they padded her up to make her look more feminine. That kind of pissed me off to read about it. Mm-hmm. That they gave her like breast and butt implants and stuff to try to, in her costumes, to try to flush her out a little bit because her bone structure was so thin. That kind of irritated me. But yeah. I liked the way, I liked that she looked the way she looked and that she wasn't all, um, that they hadn't just digitally smoothed her out or anything. Yeah. Agreed. She was great. It was great to see her in um, front and center, but also it's so it's meta because you're thinking of Linda Hamilton finally coming mm-hmm. forward after all this mm-hmm. time. But mm-hmm. also, I liked that her character. I it's something I'd always wondered about, and I love that they actually acknowledged it. That she's like, "Hey, I sacrificed everything to save the world," and ever, and the and they're like, "Who are you?" <laughs> like yeah. because you were successful, no one knows. I've always loved that about time travel stories that if you do a thing that undoes this horrible thing or changes the course of, of history away from some horrible thing, no one will ever know that you did it. It's, it is absolutely impossible for anyone to ever give you any kudos. And I love yeah. that she was human enough to ad- admit that she's like, fucking no one even, not even well, thankful. I liked, I, I liked it when they, um, she actually got the, the moment of recognition that she was just not that important anymore. Yeah. And how she responded to that and how she um, internalized that. Well, right. and the idea and, and the third act idea that um, that uh, Danny Ramos is not the Mother Mary again, but yeah. actually is the Christ. Right. Yeah. I mean, that was the that was the main push of that that aspect of this story was yeah. that she's not important because she's the con- she's not important in all of the um, sort of. Uh, gender-heavy themes of literature and culture that when, mm-hmm. that a woman's job is to create another human, and in and in this case, it's actually no, you're the one that's important. So that was cool. I like that yeah. concept. Yeah, I thought that she played. Um, I thought she played Sarah Connor really interestingly in this one. I like that she um, was salty, and there were some times when she had a little much, a little too much of that sort of swagger. But mm-hmm. I like that she was salty, but I like that she was fallible. I like that yeah. he was making fun of her for the tinfoil, for the, the, the chip bags over the cell phones. That was hilarious. Do, that didn't was do hilarious. as well. I like that. I mean, 
thinking about the script, right? I love the idea that she's like, she just really likes chips. And so she thinks that's working, but it's not working. <laughs> I love that. And I love that um, she was a little bit, um, she was begrudgingly accepting of uh, Grace, but that the power struggle was very real to her, but not in a, it's not like she did s- stupid things to, to, to maintain control of their group. Mm-hmm. She did, she did sort of let, grace take over when grace needed to take over because she knew that you know she can't compete with an enhanced human but she seemed you could tell that she didn't like it but it wasn't cartoonish in the way that she treated i thought i don't know i thought it was the best i I don't think linda hamilton's a very good actress but i think this was the best i've seen her do a thing uh i would say since uh t2 i really heard t2 I liked her in T2, but half of what made her interesting in T2 was how generic horror movie T1 was, and then giving her so much change and mm-hmm. and uh, agency in T2 as well. But if you actually, if you ever go, I don't know when's the last time you watched T2. It wasn't that long ago that I watched some chunks of it. She's still pretty wooden, mm-hmm. and I mean, and her like you know, she's supposed to be her manic, you know, but her like manic thing in the in the in the asylum in Pescadero Asylum, you know. She, it, it, you know, it's like mm-hmm. when those uh, actors go on Saturday Night Live and have to reach out a character and they go crazy. No, they actually have she, to act. She was leaning really hard. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, I don't know. I just thought that I thought there was more nuance that comes from age and experience here that I hadn't seen before from her. I really like. Yeah, it. fair enough. I like that uh, Schwarzenegger was held out for at least an hour in the film. Yeah. What did you think about the concept of Carl? Interesting. <clears throat> you know. Um, I thought within the context of the movie it worked, but whether it works in the Pantheon or not is kind of weird. Um, yeah. I mean, it does, I mean, it is, it only works because you consider that if they completed their mission, there's no further programming. Yeah, that's it. That's it. And you can imagine them just like, what do they do? Just walk into the ocean and shut down. Like it was interesting <laughs> that that allowed him to have time to kill to then evolve. Mm-hmm, it's still, mm-hmm. it still assumes that they can evolve, but I like the idea that in the, what I liked about it was in the absence of programming, there, this, this uh, artificial entity, this robot is not inherently wicked. doesn't have, um, Oh, it's just programming. It wasn't even, it even shows that they weren't programmed to like hate all humans or anything had very specific programming tasks. Yep. Kill but that dog. The, the, Kill that but human. The, but, right. But the whole thing with uh, the conscience and uh, I don't know, it's, it's conflicting, right? Because it's, um, it's sort of like ghost in the shell or I robot where right. uh, they start, there's blips in the code that start manifesting themselves right. in action and, and coherent behavior and thought patterns. Um, and you see, and you see the same thing in salvation, right? Where he had, um, Kyle Reese, right? Or right. no, uh, the the Sam oh, yeah, 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 Watterson character, yeah. Um, you know, is it that nature? Was much, or... I think that was more successful in that way. Yeah, but I think is it nature or nurture? Right. That that it, it's trying to be the uh, the <laughs> the Terminator version of that, and it's uh, you know it's interesting. It would have been wanted... more, it would have been more interesting if there were if there were several Carls, right? Right, and they and they and it had different personality traits. That right. came out of their exposure after they were kind of kicked loose in the time stream. I think they were allowed to evolve. Yeah. Right. They were all allowed to evolve in their own pawns. Right. 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 Um, you know, though, at the same time, I think um, 
what I was waiting for that I didn't get. It's so easy to armchair quarterback it after the fact, right? But what I was waiting what I was waiting for was the explanation as to what ha- what broke in Carl that freed him to evolve. Because yeah. just because he was programmed to kill a human and then the program and then he succeeded that shouldn't necessarily mean okay you but, program all stop and now you're free to do whatever the fuck it, I, but it, I, th- it, I thought they they kind of i'm sorry i thought they kind of alluded to the fact that when skynet crashed and didn't happen uh that was what cut him oh loose. yeah that could be right that there was some kind of quantum temporal entanglement and then once that ended then it kind of ganked because him off of that umbilical the i think that the 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 thematic premise that would allow the t800 to become carl Mm-hmm. is what I would associate with an artificial life form that was AI driven yeah. and such as um, Deus Ex Machina, right? Like th- the idea that there was enough there, the artificial human had programming, but can evolve around the programming. So in other yeah. words, I never got the sense that any of these Terminator models had any sub AI to Skynet or Legion or anything in them. They're just tools. So yeah. there shouldn't be an evolutionary capability for them. They're just a tool. It's a fucking grenade launcher. Well, but so but, that's the part that but, I didn't see but, them explain. Yeah, but remember, they there was some adaptability that they programmed into them so that they chameleon themselves in the background and adapt to all mission their specific. Context. Though, yeah, but but adapt nonetheless. And so over time, if the code gets perturbed or warped by the adaptation, then it becomes dominant. Right, maybe the, the best example. The best example was there was a T one thousand one in Sarah Connor Chronicles, which was you know a fucking amazing show. It mm-hmm. doesn't hold up. I've seen a lot of footage of it fairly recently, going back and looking around, and it still still does look like a a, a Fox show from ten years ago. But <laughs> but there were some really good concepts. The best among them being that the timelines changing throughout, and so people who th- thought that knew each other discovered that they're different versions of each other that mm-hmm, didn't have mm-hmm. the same experiences all that stuff the chaos mm-hmm. the entropy of time travel muckety muck stuff i loved but the other thing is uh sarah connor chronicles did a good job in showing that the t1001 that was played by uh what's her name cheryl what uh oh, I, I Man- don't know. manson you know she was yep. from garbage what's her yep. name cheryl manson Shirley manson. Right? Shirley, yeah. Shirley manson her T one thousand one or whatever it, whatever that model was, um, was very adaptive. Acted like there was an AI in it, mm-hmm. like she was making decisions and being manipulative. And there was definitely stuff about the way that 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 model was designed um, to be autonomous in a way that none of these other uh, Terminator models are autonomous. So uh, thinking about Grace Mackenzie Davis. Mm-hmm. Uh, she fucking owned this movie. As far as I'm yeah. concerned, it was her and Gabriel Luna's Rev Nine that <laughs> completely had my attention the entire time. Mm-hmm. I loved the idea that she was an enhanced human. I love the i I love the way they played it up subtly with the with the the tattooed lines all over her body, all these little contact points where things have been surgically modified, and the weird uh, sort of uh, mesh web of underlayment sheathing myelin sheathing or whatever underneath her skin mm-hmm. i loved all that stuff but you and i both i mean as minute she showed what she could do of course we're both going expanse right because yes, exactly <laughs> i mean 
I it, it was so perfect to see she did a better job of or they realized her in this even better than they did in well I don't know we haven't gotten that far into the yeah, we gotten show that of Expanse but yeah. just in thinking about how they described or I guess I should say they did a better job of realizing it in this than my mental image of how they did it in Expanse I think they yeah. did a really great job um, also I just really liked how physically imposing she was that she was tall and lithe and um, she was just she's just so physically uh, present. I loved it. I loved her in this movie. Yeah. I, I don't think I've ever I don't think I've ever not liked anything Mackenzie Davis did, but I think this is my new favorite. Now she uh, she owned this film. It's interesting to think that um, in previous iterations, uh, the Connors had to adapt to. Um, uneasy alliances with their enemies or whatever with terminators but in this case the idea that this was a human but also was enough of an of an alien force in the form of all of her cybernetics um mm -hmm. to make them uncomfortable around her i thought that was really cool yeah now i think that there's a big problem here before we get to gabriel luna natalia <laughs> reyes okay i know they were going for they wanted a young person she happens to be 30 but they wanted they wanted to double sort of um, double down on the idea that this is just the seemingly um, unimposing non-military, just regular person that mm -hmm. is suddenly so important. But I could not. You could I not was, believe it. Yeah. I thought she was very aesthetically pleasing. I enjoyed her, you know, on screen, but I didn't find her. I think she, I thought she was charming, but I never got the sense the way you do with, um, I don't know, thinking back, I'm not sure if you ever got this with um, Linda Hamilton, Sarah Connor in the first film until the very end. But even then, you believe that she's in that 80s way, that she's sort of gotten her, you know, pulled through and evolved herself to, to fight back. I didn't really feel that way with Natalia Reyes' performance, or at least the way they wrote the character. Well, I don't, I, I think it was, um, well, I'm not going to be too dismissive, but it was kind of a representational character move, right? How so? Um, I think it was a move to sh I think it was a move to show intentional diversification in the storylines and go outside of um, strictly the USA, right? Sure, sure. And kind of the conventional suburban thing. I think there was a, a deliberate move to go beyond that deliberate suburban angst, shall we say? Well, but they were trying in the script. They were trying to show that she was. Um, she was a caregiver personality. Mm -hmm. She wanted to take care of her brother. She wanted to take care of her father. She was competent at work. She Just like talked to her neighbors like Linda Hamilton yeah. did. But there was what you didn't get was the sense that she was a leader in the rough. Like all of a sudden in the in the end of the second act, the beginning of the third well, act, she's like, You're right, you we're know? gonna stand our ground in this really terrible clearing of woods. How do you know when you're ready? You just are. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I know. Yeah. And a very bad ground. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I don't know. I just feel like there was, like, for example, and, and just going back to Mackenzie Davis, that actress, you can see her playing, you know, she's she's working at a diner or whatever, and then all the shit happens, and then she grows into the character that fights back. And then suddenly guns pop out of her forearms. Yeah. Sure, sure, sure. But you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I could see her, I could see in her acting 
on this and other films, I can see her having the capability to show you a person rising to this challenge. Natalia Reyes, I don't know that it's an acting thing or if it's a, if it's a script thing, but I didn't buy her as being the same person that in the future is, you know, well, okay. The so future leader me, of that. Let me be more into, you know, provocational, right. Or provocative. Um, okay. So Linda Hamilton, right. She was basically the, the Holy Mary, right. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> right? The, the, she was the birth mother of the savior. Right. And then this one, right. it's not right. about the holy womb. It's about the, the actual individual being the Messiah, right? Right. right. And so, um, whereas Linda Hamilton actually turned out to be more of the feminine, badass, empowerment role model, period. And this one's not. So I think it, there's another deliberate juxtaposition there, maybe, if you're being benevolent and giving them the benefit of the doubt, um, that that was a very deliberate move on their part, just to throw all of those stereotypes out the window, one could say, right? Yeah, those, but I think that those, but those I think, that you don't expect, those that you don't expect, often can surprise you the most. Yes, but yes, but now here we go. They yes, but however, comma however, comma however, comma. Uh, you can you can paint a picture of Danny Ramos the character as not as being a um, a shire, meeker, intelligent but overwhelmed by all this as she was in the first mm-hmm. two acts you could have made this work for me if she wasn't the future leader of the resistance. And suddenly in the fast forward, she's the one that saves grace and is the leader and is all badass and all this stuff. All of a sudden, yeah. if she had evolved in the future into a scholar mentor, cultural figure, but not a military figure, I think I would have bought it more. And I know because this constant version of the future of these stories, whether it's the Legion world or the Skynet world, is that everyone becomes hard, badass soldiers. But mm-hmm. I think that it's more interesting to think that there are different types of people that survive and different people that are important in the culture of an apocalyptic society. She could have been a clerical figure, or not a clerical, a cleric figure, or a uh, a cultural leader, or some other type of important person in that society that wasn't a military person. And I think I would have bought it more and also would have been more intrigued at the idea that not everyone who physically survives the Armageddon has Mm -hmm. to be, have a grenade pin in their mouth. Fair enough. Let alone her that she looked like she, it was Halloween and she was dressing up as a, as someone in the game Contra, you know, I just, she did not look for <laughs> Didn't look like she it didn't work for me too much in the future. So that's, that's a, that's a little rough. All right. All right. That's a little um, rough. I did not entirely buy this whole thing about, well, there's not much to buy, but I didn't, I wasn't too on board with this whole thing that Carl can sense time, timey wimey disturbances and then context exact coordinates of where they are. I think that a little more work could have, rationalize that that he's plugged into a system that i don't know but especially since all these time jumps are happening from a different system than his mm-hmm. i don't understand how he would know or be able to transmit that information in the first place mm-hmm. but even worse you can maybe figure maybe you could explain this to me because this happens where you see the obvious and i don't how did danny know to send grace to the carl coordinates and tattoo them i have no idea and the only i was thing thinking I could, that my whole time as well well, the only thing I could think of is the Legion world isn't an alien alternate timeline. It is the timeline now in this story. Mm-hmm. And that means that we have the same set of 
uh, chicken or the egg timey-wimey problems that the first film world had for this. Yeah. Which Fair is that, like, you know, uh, John Connor was born from Reeves, or Reese, and Reese went back in time to save Sarah Connor, so he couldn't have existed without Reese, so therefore, how could this have ever happened, right? Yes. Yeah. So maybe in this sense, it's the same thing. Well, maybe it's that... just back to the future. I think I'm going to go right. back to time travel, not uh, in-game time travel. Yeah, yeah, right. Well, it's just, it, was, it was interesting to me to think that that they knew of the existence of Terminators that were not Legion Terminators right. in the future. Skynet Terminators. So and yet they don't yeah. know what Skynet is or what Sarah Connor was because there's no records and they don't, I mean, that makes sense, but how would they even make sense of Terminators? Yeah. Why, how would they even have a sense that they're anything other than like that they ever existed? How would they have records of their existence? Nothing about that part made any sense to me. Okay. All right. Did it make sense to you? No, no. What about the fact that Carl's dog was cool with him? I think that just shows you that dogs can be dumb. <laughs> Well, you know, I was thinking about it at the time, like, well, maybe it's, maybe I mean, it, was a, it was a yellow lab. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. That's true. Um, yeah, but that seemed really strange to me that if they were barking, the dogs were barking at Terminators because they sensed this, they smelled something was wrong or they sensed something was wrong. Would this, would, would this have been the case of any Terminator that just simply trained a dog into being around long enough that the dog would just accept it? Like, you can get a dog to stop barking at a raccoon, right? No, I, I, no, I think I think it's just a it's a fucking yellow lab, man. Also, <laughs> it's hard, you know. The, going back to the original premise, I I used to complain about Terminator how it made no sense a long time ago, and I won't go too deep into this again because we've all thought this. But what the fuck? I mean, these are thousand pound humanoids walking around why are they not falling through decks and stuff you know mm -hmm. why are they not backing into walls and shit so it but even more so it's hard to imagine a concept where this uh you know giant endoskeleton under under decaying tissue um is able to uh exist in disguise and have a family Mm -hmm. right and that she doesn't know to me this the the right way of handling that in the script was just to say that she knows what he is and has accepted his existence his evolution yeah, I, right I, like i, I didn't need her to believe that he was a human because i yeah. can't understand it yeah none of their furniture would understand it he sat in one of the chairs didn't he and the chair didn't fall apart <laughs> like it does correct and I know that you could argue, well, it's aluminum, but it's not. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It, it's hard to smash it. It's tungsten steel. It is hard. Whatever it is. So, okay. Well, finally getting to um, the last thing I want to mention is my love for uh, Gabriel Luna's Rev 9. Because he was charismatic. He was focused. He had the he had a good run. He had um, that sort of great sort of Terminator movements and all that stuff. But I found him mm -hmm. very... Um, eye-catching. I couldn't stop watching him, and I didn't bore. I didn't get, become bored of him the way I have every other Terminator. Yeah, agreed. You know, other than um, Dillahunt playing uh, a Terminator in uh, Sarah Connor Chronicles, because he's always worth watching. Yeah, ever since Carnival, but um, or uh, Deadwood. But anyway, I just thought he was badass, and I loved his like. I love that he doesn't even maintain his disguise for more than twenty seconds. Like he walks into the detention facility, and it's like anyway. Whew, and they all jumped him. He was just—he was just generating spikes and kept walking and all that. Like he was just plowing his way through. I just—I thought he was really fun, 
in a in a in a in a film where just like all the previous ones it could get very monotonous mm-hmm. the invulnerable unrelenting pursuer he was fun to watch doing that agreed to me yep. yep and i really enjoyed the thing where he split off from his skeleton and he could form a second him but they're both at reduced uh <clears throat> power than when he's together it mm-hmm. was super fun mm-hmm. if nothing else because who wouldn't want a fucking cart like charcoal black terminator as your like wingman right like that was so rad to me and he was over in the corner like yeah like he just seemed sort of like i don't know yeah it was great nasty very nasty didn't you like that i did you don't have as much enthusiasm for it as i do no i do but you, you you get really into it uh, into that aesthetic in the in the visceral reaction you were into I, it I, at the time halfway yes. down all those beverages you were excited about yes, it yes i was uh i was but i really got in i actually thought the storyline and the and the premise and the way they executed it was pretty well done so i appreciated that i just think so do you think though that this movie let's say let's say people weren't turned off from all the other terminators and let's say that they just went to this you know with open minds and gave it a try and let's say it did really well mm-hmm. would you feel like this was a jumping off point to storylines or some other way of continuing the franchise within this same framework in no. the way that this attempted to continue terminator 2 no no i did not because i didn't feel like uh uh genesis felt like you could have a seek i didn't feel like genesis any of the any of the actors or the story in Genesis lent itself to making you want to see more of it. No, and I, I didn't agree. really feel like Salvation made you want to see more of it. No, I, I, and this didn't either. I don't know if that's a bad thing or a good thing because again, I just don't know if this franchise has anywhere to go. No, I, I actually don't think it does. But but uh, they, but they, they will come back and do it no matter what. <laughs> It's sort of a down way of ending discussing a movie that we actually enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> I've encouraged people to see it. I'm like, if you like the, if you like the bare bones, the basics of Terminator shit, if you like yes. robot skeletons running around shooting shit, smashing vehicles into each other, if you thought Terminator 2 was the high point, you're going to like this. You're going to love it. Yeah. Right. And, and I, if you, if you really had questions about whatever happened to Linda, Linda Hamilton and Sarah Connor, this is your move. Uh, last thing, how did you feel about the uh, reveal early on in the film that after all of the events of Judgment Day, uh, two years later in Mexico, another Terminator walks right out of the ocean and pops John Connor in the face right in front of her and then walks away? How did uh, you feel about that? I uh, was delighted. I loved it. <laughs> I absolutely loved it. And I just I love that he walked away again. I just like that. I love that he did yeah, it and the, walked out. do 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 it was so, yeah. I mean, that was the most realistic component of a Terminator movie since the iguana being hard to catch once it was out of the cage, right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. just the idea that there would be more and they would have been pre-launched and you could never stop running. Because she did, she's always alluded to, in, in the story, it alluded that she never stopped preparing. Yep. But I loved that, I loved the idea that in the end, surprise attack, done. It was, yeah, it was, the, hey, gonna tap you back, boom. Loved and then, and then the the fa- the fact that it was on the beach just cracked yeah. me up so much. It was uh, it was really well done. That was probably my favorite. Um, that was probably my uh, favorite thing. Your, your favorite bit. Yeah. All right. 
Well, okay, so this was good. So what, uh, what, what, what's next for you? Do you have anything that you're hankering to uh, consume in the very near future before we talk again? Um, Joker. You're still looking forward to seeing Joker, huh? Yeah. And I'm really conforming to The Last Skywalker. I mean, I, I, I'm going to see Joker, but I still don't have high expectations for that film. Why not? I don't know. I still feel like I just, I still feel like I'm just going to go into it wishing that it wasn't Joker. That was either just a mob movie or, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not, I'm just not buying it, but we'll see. I haven't seen it yet. So I haven't seen it yet. So I don't know. I don't know. Um, okay, so Joker and Rise of Skywalker. Okay, that's yep. weird. Um, so for me, it's going to be big old Mando. Really excited about Mando. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's and when is it, all when I... is it? When is the Expanse going to happen? God damn it. Yeah, Expanse is, I think, February, maybe, or something. No. Um, and then uh, what was the other thing that I'm excited about? Oh, I really want to see Knives Out. Hmm. Okay. Have you been have you been following that? No, I'm not. That's Ryan Johnson's uh, follow up after uh, Last Jedi, and okay. it's one of these like a bunch of people are involved and it's 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 wacky and weird and whatever. I have I, I'm I'm barely on the peripheral of it because I'm trying to be surprised, but it looks really interesting and people are playing out of character or out of I guess against type, and uh, it looks really fun. Also, Guy Ritchie. Um, I don't know when it comes out, but Guy Ritchie is back to his. Um, you know what, what he does right he's got a movie mm-hmm. coming out called the gentleman um so it's another you know uh england england crime story with interesting people uh and uh witticisms and his style and everything else he's got he walked away from the arthur and all that stuff and he's gone back to his roots and i'm really oh thank god he's stepped away from the arthur stuff oh my god uh um what's his name uh hugh grant is in it as a He's one really? of the heavies in it. Yeah, and he looks really good. And uh, Charlie uh, Hunnam is is in it, and, uh, and a few others. But have you not seen it? The trailer, no. gentlemen. No, no. Yeah, I'm check not. it out. You, I think you'll be impressed. It looks like it'll be fun, if nothing else. And there's okay. no Madonna in it at all, which is good. That's excellent. That's the best <laughs> news ever. <laughs> and do you uh, do you have any recommendations on anything that you've uh, you've been consuming, or you want to recommend? our listeners today uh, final season of mr robot is outstanding i haven't even started that it is amazing you so if you're banging up on me with all the things i missed mr robot is one you need to watch um and uh, that yeah that, I, that would be oh and watchman of course of course um we're going to talk about watchman in a in a whole episode dedicated to that when we get uh chris on the board as well because yeah, yeah. but yeah the too long holy didn't read version crap. the spoiler version yeah. is holy shit man yeah holy crap <laughs> talk about going in with cautious optimism and then just being smacked in the first episode being smacked in the face with how fucking amazing it is i can't and after, at episode three uh was, was uh, yeah. yeah um okay so uh the final season of silicon valley has started and i'm really enjoying it do you still watch that yeah. or have you ever yep, watched that? I did. Okay, yeah. Yep. Yeah. This is as fucking awesome as ever. I love it. Um, Watchmen was the other one on my list. And then finally I just finished um, a few weeks ago. I finished uh, Dodo. Uh, which oh, was wow. The... Yeah. And, and you know, 
and, and I still, I think we need to, I, I, we need to do another Stevenson episode and just talk about a number of the books that I've caught up on that you told me to read. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, if anything, I actually, re- you, you warned me like, oh, it's kind of, it's kind of weird and it's kind of funny and kind of weird and, and definitely it's half Stevenson. I get that. Um, yeah. But to me, it was thoroughly enjoyable until the last page. And then all of a sudden I'm like, wait, what? So it's definitely a project where I see why they ended it the way they ended it. But I really wanted, I wanted more from the story. Yeah. But, it but, but still, it doesn't ruin the experience. And I would definitely recommend it to people if you have an interest in history, but, but also, yeah, you know. But what's interesting to me is that they um, kind of set it up as this big series, right? And, um, or like one in uh, several parts coming up and so far there's been so? nothing. Do you yes. think it was written that way? Yes. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I, I interpreted the end of it. Oh, I mean, we're not going to talk about it, but I, I interpreted the end of that book to be, and Done. sort of like the end of Battlestar Galactica, right? Where it was like, uh, and yeah. here's your life. Yeah. And everything you've read was leading up to what your reality is today. Welcome to the sun. Yeah. But yeah. um, but anyway, we'll talk about more later. But anyway, I do right. recommend it because um, what was interesting about it to me that I think that some um, literature lovers who maybe have gotten into Stevenson books in the past and gotten buried in them and felt like they were overwhelmed, mm-hmm. um, it definitely does have its you know thirty pages of detail on a certain thing, but it is tempered by the influence of his co-writer in that book. Yes, it's yes. definitely. I don't know if it's just, I don't know if this is um, uh, a backhanded compliment <laughs> to say that it's Stevenson light. I almost feel like that sounds like a criticism of his co-writer who I'm actually blanking on her name right now. But to me, it was a good match when, uh, when Gib- when Gibson and Sterling did the difference engine, I wasn't convinced necessarily that that was a, a good match. Mm-hmm. I think I liked each of their works separately better than their work together. Mm-hmm. And in this one, I don't, I have not read any of her, the other authors, other books, but I felt like this was at least a harmonious pairing. It read well. Yeah. yeah. So agreed. Dodo, I'll give you that. Yeah. That's, that's Dodo. But that's okay. Dodo. Okay. So, so there you go. Pretty good. So uh, we'll talk in three years when uh, there's another uh, Terminator. I think we'll talk in December. Uh, like, uh... <laughs> Your confusion is not rational. <laughs>